You're listening to Back Into the Fire, old school wrestling fans shooting on the best wrestling organization in the world, the National Wrestling Alliance. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Back Into the Fire podcast. Uh, Yeah, we are still alive, still well amidst the coronavirus outbreak. your host here, I'm Joe Till, joined by Andy Hayworth. Howdy. And it's going to be sort of a hodgepodge uh, episode again this week, since obviously we don't have any current NWA action to talk about. We do have a lot of former NWA action that, that we're going to talk about, though. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I have not tried to watch any of that content that the NWA has been re- sort of reposting on their channel here lately. I, I you know, that pop-up event, um, I was familiar with that event because when Nick Aldis had his beef with uh, James Storm there in the run-up to uh, the Into the Fire pay-per-view, I did watch that match, but I didn't watch right. any of that stuff with, uh, with what's-his-name, the, the haircut match and all that stuff. Josephus and, uh, and uh, Storm, yeah. Uh, Josephus and um, yeah, I guess, oh, yeah, I guess yeah. it was. And, uh, yeah. Then, well, hold on. It was David Arquette. David Arquette. I don't even like to say his name, to be honest with you. Right. The David Arquette <laughs> stuff. No, I didn't watch any of that stuff. It's not worth. It's not worth watching. It's. it's you know, I started watching. It's disappointing watching that it. the NWA even has this footage. Um, you know, Billy Corgan should should be ashamed of himself. Yeah, you know, I started watching that thing, but I couldn't comprehend what they were trying to do there. And, and it also seemed like this was more of that uh, wrestling from Hollywood, Dave Marquez promotion stuff. So it didn't yeah. feel very NWA like to me. Now, I, you know, I did I did watch a little bit of that uh, Tim, St- yeah, Tim Storm and Joe Cephas yeah. stuff, which was interesting but a little confusing at the same time. Well, I mean, we don't have the context of that whole feud. I know they were feuding for a while, and frankly, that was when we were not watching any of this, so yeah, <laughs> so it's yeah. hard to talk about. You know, I think we've mentioned it before, but for us, the, the NWA stuff kind of started when power started and the studio wrestling started right. back again. A lot of, a lot of those bizarre storylines, yeah, I just, I just don't, I'm not familiar with them, you know? I, I'm not either. Um I believe they well, so they showed something about Houston wrestling and Paul Bosch. I, I didn't last, even try to watch it last week, which yeah, it's throwing it way back there. Um, I'm sure there is some quality content there. I just didn't watch it. But right before um, right before WrestleMania, we both decided to take a trip on the WWE Network. Do the yeah. free trial. Yeah. And, uh, guys, there's a lot. If you haven't ever experienced the WWE Network, there's a hell of a lot of content. They, they, I guess they, they bought all of Crockett's video footage basically when, when McMahon bought that organization out. Um, you know, yeah, it's, um, it's incredible the, the, the amount of stuff on there and, I was going to sign up for it, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago because I wanted to see Starcade 86. Right. And um, and I just, I was so repulsed by the idea of 
potentially giving any money to WWE. That <laughs> yeah. Even, even though it was a free trial, right? So I, I just right. delayed it. But then the other day, you managed to find one of these clips that we have been trying to find <laughs> oh, for yeah. 10 years on there with the Rock and Roll Express. And so I had to join it at that point. I know. I found it right away. The... Um the the infamous the infamous big girls clip big girl uh, at the Hyatt or whatever. If you don't know what we're talking about, uh, it's in the middle of the Ricky Morton Ric Flair feud back in '86. I believe it was April. Um, this was the April nineteenth Saturday yes. night WC. Well, it was World Championship Wrestling yes. episode where um, I believe the previous week. Uh, Rick Flair had brought out a training bra to present the Ricky Morton. Is that? Am yeah, I, I? he was. Uh, he, you know, he was talking about that. That uh, Rick Flair's fans were women, and Ricky Morton's fans were little teeny boppers. So he gave him a training bra to signify that. And then the next week, <laughs> brilliantly, Ricky <laughs> Morton brought out. I don't know where he got them from, but it's basically a, a pair of of red women's panties the size of a laundry bag pretty much i mean you could put these things on the goodyear blimp these are the biggest <laughs> could. pair of panties i've ever seen and uh you know but, but i tell you you know my memory of that event from our childhood yeah was was slightly different because i could have sworn that that ricky says something to the effect of this is too my friend is too big or something but he didn't say that he said something like this is too outrageous or something to that effect yeah or outrageous, ridiculous, ridiculous. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this ridiculous. <laughs> what did he say? The 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 maid at the Hyatt, yeah, <laughs> Regency or whatever, asked me to give these back to you or something. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, me it's rolling, you know, man. I mean, you know, the only thing this stuff is so amazing, but it, all it does is show how great the promos and the rivalries. Oh my and the, god! And, the, and the, how exciting that stuff was back in the 80s, because there's just nothing like that now. You know, I don't care what these guys do when they get up on NWA Power or, you know, hell, you know, NXT or or, yeah. or, or WWE, whatever. They just don't do anything that, that has this, like, personal feeling to it, you know? like No, this. I don't I don't know what it is. Um, very few promos these days carry that type of, type of energy. And I, I think that's, you know, what, well, the wrestling was... It was better too. I I feel like, but the promos definitely. You know, certainly the wrestling. They didn't have all the high flying stuff. They didn't have yeah. all the like really hard hitting. St- Although we we say hard hitting, but I'm talking mostly about kicks. They didn't do a lot of kicks back no. then, um, like they do now. But the, the wrestling was solid. It, it felt convincing. I I don't know it, this stuff. I, we were talking about before we started recording. You know, is it just nostalgia? Or was the stuff really just that good? I think it's a little of both. Right. The stuff is very good, though, because you could still rewatch this and be entertained by it. It is good. And, you know, you can't you can't catch lightning in a bottle and recreate it. But I think a lot of the things that work, you know, could the, the basic tenets of it could work again. And I don't know why people aren't aren't going to the well and. and learning from this but um absolutely it's almost like a forgot forgotten art i don't know it's so incredible though that all this stuff that was once a competitor toward you know vince mcmahon's empire is all right there 
And, mm. you know, I don't look at any of the WWE stuff for the most part. I'm looking at all this old NWA, WCW stuff. Right. It, it is an incredible collection of material. And I love the fact that you can pull up a show and they have they have the show segmented in all the different little parts of the show. So if you yeah. want to go right to the match that you're interested in, you can go right to it. You can go to the matches or the promos. It's great. And um, it's very helpful. And, you know, if, if you're a, a podcast like us and you're trying to cover old school wrestling, then, um, yeah. then I bet, it, you know, it's a great tool to use. Speaking of WWE... Yeah. Part of this free package that we signed that we signed up just in the nick of time to catch WrestleMania thirty six. Yeah, I think so. Which uh consisted of two parts. Each part about three hours. maybe more. I couldn't imagine if it was all one show, like a yeah. six hour show. I, I don't know how anybody could have sat through it. No, I couldn't have. Yeah. But uh you know, just looking for some new wrestling content to watch because there's not really anything going on except some empty studio stuff with AEW, NXT, and all that. But Right. But I don't know, man. It, it just reminded me why I don't really watch WWE. It just... It, it really didn't resonate with me whatsoever. Now, I do, I, you know, I've talked about it before. I do like uh, some of the NXT wrestling there weren't as many um, NXT folks as I thought there would be on this show. Mm-hmm. We did see that great Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair. That, now, I like both of those ladies Rhea Ripley a lot. was I like great. Charlotte Flair was great. Maybe the best match in the whole show. Yeah, definitely. Easily. Easily um, the best match. So, And the second best match that I felt was the other women's title match um, with Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler. Uh, it was a great match. It had a really abrupt kind of shitty ending to it but <laughs> but the match itself up until the end was was really good i do like Shayna baszler a lot she you I, know, do I think too. she had maybe like an mma background or something like that mm-hmm. but uh she was uh the former nxt champ until rhea ripley uh beat her for that title uh late last year so mm, okay so clearly she she lost the title and then went up to stepped up to one of the WWE's other, you know, upper tiers, I guess there, but um yeah, it's it's really ironic that we're talking about the best matches and they're and they're both women's matches and you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of kind Absolutely. of unusual. None of the guys matches that we watched I was particularly invested in whatsoever, so I don't even know what to say about some of these things. Not at all, man. I I I mean I think um, I think Drew McIntyre seems like a, a nice guy and seems like a good wrestler and kind of an old school, you know, high impact type guy. But I don't know. That match was just short and weird. That that match did seem short and weird because um, you know we just watched these twenty and thirty minute long you know, expositions prior to this. And this match was only like, what, four or five minutes long, maybe? And it, it was a title that changed hands. Kind of odd. Yeah. It was, And it was right after that Funhouse match, which left me wanting to just go to sleep or something. <laughs> that That's one of those things where the next day on the internet, some bunch of hipsters post up a story telling everybody why they're too stupid to understand 
what that oh, match yeah. was all about. People and had to explain it, and it was yeah. brilliant. And psh, whatever. I mean, I guess if you were if you've been tuned into the last twenty five years of w, WWE WWF wrestling, then this was probably yeah. uh, something you enjoyed, but. I really haven't been, you know, I'm, I really don't plan on being invested in much WWE stuff if I can avoid it. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. Anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on WrestleMania because it wasn't really worth it. Kind of a strange transition from that, but related. So when I signed up for this WWE thing and I actually sat down and started looking through the content, I thought, well, what am I going to start with? The first thing I started with was the very first WrestleMania because I don't think I'd ever seen it. And um, man, talk about a weird, <laughs> a weird event. The the very first WrestleMania. This is the one where you had Hogan with Mr. T. Yeah. And he was they were up against Paul Orndorff and Roddy Piper. <laughs> and you had Muhammad Ali there, who looked like he could actually kick anybody's ass. At, along with Liberace as a special guest timer and the Rockettes. Now, I don't understand how it, I don't understand how Liberace and the Rockettes go with wrestling, but it seems to be right up Vince McMahon's alley. So, like he cuz he wanted that like pop culture hit, you know. That's I mean, that's that's all about McMahon, you know. He always wants to be involved in in Hollywood and entertainment and yeah movie making with wrestling and all that crap so and i guess in 85 i mean mr t was hot because of the a team mm -hmm. and and he and hogan had both been in what rocky three i think it was yeah and liberace was still a big deal and i, I guess because they're in new york you got to have the rockettes or whatever so you know it, it, it didn't feel weird because knowing what we know about mcmahon and the wwf but it felt weird just as a wrestling event perhaps but uh, as far as those matches went, they were all pretty bad. And, you know, just in terms of wrestling entertainment, none of these matches on the first WrestleMania were really that good. No. No, they really weren't. You had that interesting one, King Kong Bundy with Special Delivery Jones. He beat he beat this guy in nine seconds. In nine that seconds? Was, <laughs> that was kind of interesting, I guess. <laughs> um, you also had, uh, you know... Again, I say the matches weren't that interesting, but the people here were interesting. So you had um, this really interesting team up with the the rock and, and roll wrestling connection and stuff with uh, Wendy Richter with Cindy Lauper and Lilani Kai with Moolah. Now, knowing what we know about Moolah nowadays, mm -hmm. this seemed a little a little <laughs> a little ominous in some ways, but but uh, that was an intriguing little pair up. And then, of course, you had. Andre the Giant beating Big John Stud. Um, I mean, who? Which That's was the kind match of a I really remember the most from from that the Andre event. the Giant match. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I don't know. I want to say I rented a a video or something yeah. back when I was probably eleven years old, and it and it featured that particular match. It might have been the whole thing, but I I don't know. Andre the Giant matches were always interesting to me, just because he was. So damn big, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, you know, this was what, 85. I guess we're sort of nearing the end of Andre's That's career. Very close to the end of his career. Yeah. But we're, I think the next year is going to be the one where Hogan body slams him, right? 
Or was that, um, or was that two 80? years? Two years okay. after that, it's WrestleMania three, I believe. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, uh, but I mean, you know, it was interesting seeing some of these guys. I mean, you know, we saw Junkyard Dog, Greg Valentine, Iron Sheik. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the Russians were in there. Ricky Steamboat put on a, an, an excellent little match, you know, as he would because he's Ricky Steamboat. Uh, yeah, but it wasn't like a long rambling event. There was only like you know. Nine nine matches maybe, and they went quick. You know, there were short matches. Uh, the longest one was like maybe thirteen minutes. And you look at yeah. what what we have now, WrestleMania thirty six. Oh, you got stuff going on for like thirty four minutes of, of two guys grunting and throwing each other off of a Ford F one fifty. I'm I'm looking at it right right now, and the whole WrestleMania one was two hours and sixteen minutes, and yeah. WrestleMania thirty six is. I think over six hours, maybe. <laughs> you know, and it, it's it that's plenty of time to have you know two and a half hours, plenty of time, and and they still had managed to have little interviews with Mean Gene and there in between the matches. It, it it was a better event, honestly, than I thought it would be. But but as far as wrestling goes, to me, it was not as good as what the product that the WCW NWA was putting out, which was Starcade, of course. So yeah, uh, if you looked at Starcade. The next year, or, or in '86, rather, uh, that was one of the most bonkers pay-per-views I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it was, I think Starcade '86. You could argue might be the best pay-per-view ever in wrestling. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I mean, that was the second thing that I watched on the WWE Network, uh, mainly because I wanted to see Jim Cornette fall off the scaffolding. <laughs> but I tell you, man, that scaffold match was. That was an insane match. I mean, you're si- I'm sitting here watching this and wondering how did these guys do this without I, breaking their necks? I couldn't necks do it. Or- I couldn't get up there. For me to even get up there, nevertheless, try to act like I'm beating someone up, you know? I- yeah. I mean, you're like, oh, it's 25 feet. And you think, well, 25 feet isn't that far. Well, it's three sections of scaffolding. Yeah. You know, and you watch these guys like, you know, beautiful Bobby or whatever climbing up there and the thing looks like it's about to fall apart. And, uh, you know, and, you know, they, 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 they fight up there and, you know, obviously they, they have to very carefully fall down, but that's a long way to fall still. And, you know, Cornette blew his knee out and understandably, yeah. But yeah, I don't know how they even approve that because because if memory serves me right, as they took that show on the road, they also did the scaffolding matches mm-hmm. more more than just that one time at least. So you know, it's amazing nobody broke their neck or got you know turned into a quadriplegic or anything. I'm surprised you know different um, cities or states or whatever would would sanction those types of matches. I know. In there. I know. <laughs> Yeah, th- this stuff looked very backyard, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, w- w- what's the term? Uh, uh, indie mud show, outlaw kind of mud show. Yeah, yeah. Th- this definitely had that feeling to it. But you know, I tell you what, every match on the on that Starcade '86 had some sort of I don't want to say gimmick, but it had some sort of element that elevated it beyond what you would see on television. Mm-hmm. There, there was a lo- every almost every match involved blood. Uh, you had that great match with uh, Ron Garvin and Big Bubba that they mm-hmm. used to yep. they used to use it in the promo when Ron Garvin pile drove him with the uh, pulling his suspenders and his belt. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know all these matches were were they were all insane. Uh, you know every one of them was, 
And uh, it's Starcade 83. I think you watched that one as well. That was a crazy match with Flair and Harley Race. The first Starcade, yeah. The very first one. Yeah. Great stuff. I mean, everything about it felt modern. You know, I got such a kick out of the the audience interviews. Um, and then the like at some point during the show, the microphone stopped working, and <laughs> the 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 ring announcer was trying to make an announcement, and it cut out. And then they were trying to interview Dusty Rhodes, and it kept cutting out. And it was a little rough around the edges, but um, I don't know. The matches were great. Didn't they have a female interviewer on 83? They did, yeah. Did, that felt really modern to me for some reason. Yeah. You're you're right. I, I it's interesting because after that I don't really see many female interviewers. Not for a while. No. Uh-uh. Not for a while. You know, you know those um God, yeah, all those old matches, Starcades and uh, all the old WCW content on there. Uh, it's just, uh, it's just so good. It, it's, it's. Uh, I, I've been kind of watching like the best of Ric Flair, and I've watched him wrestle like Barry Windham. That was a brutal match. I watched uh, uh-huh. uh, Flair versus. I think this was also a Starcade. What ninety three Flair versus uh, Vader. Man, oh man, yeah, talk I about a that crazy too, yeah. match. Oh man, those are great. That was matches. a great match, and I know that was in some of the so-called dark years of WCW, that Vader and Flair match. But it was a great match. I mean, Flair really got over in that match, and then he had the the emotional interview afterwards and everything. Yeah. You know, the funny thing was, so I had just watched Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, and then I watched that particular match with Flair and Vader, and that has to be a very young, like, seven-year-old Charlotte Flair Back in the locker room there with Flair's family, right? I mean, that has to be her, right? The the little one in the, the little front. little girl, yes, yeah. That's that has to be her, yeah. So so amazing. You look at look at the lineage of all this stuff and how it connects together. It's it's just incredible. You know, when I tell you what, and the fans were better back in these matches too. Uh, I mean, when the fans got mad, they threw debris into the ring, you know, which, you know, that sounds terrible. You know, oh, fans behaving badly, throwing debris in. But that meant they at least they gave a shit, right? You know? selling that. Yeah, they were definitely into the matches and everything. It was it was amazing, man. I just I mean, now compared to these crowds now that sit silently until, you know, they see one thing that makes them pop and then they start doing the stupid you know, holy shit chants or whatever. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 the it's it's not the crowd that we had back in the eighties, no, that's for sure. No. Or the early nineties for that matter. Yeah. And again, that was you know, before Kayfabe was broken really. I mean Right. Uh, people, you know, certainly there was a large segment who believed that it was you know, wrestling wasn't real, but but it wasn't as well known that it wasn't real, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest, de- and you know, I think Jim Cornette talks about this a lot. Is it? But you know, people looked upon this stuff and they covered it as if it were real, really happening. You know, yeah. Um, we didn't know that it was all a big, a big scripted, you know, work or whatever. But people, I don't know. There, there just seemed to be more impact given, more weight given to it compared to what we have now. And I think that's why we have so much of this comedic kind of you know flippant kind of stuff now oh yeah 
you know, but uh, I don't know. You know, it's been fun going back through the WWE network and uh, digging up some of these old matches. It's it's amazing what you can find, and I feel like I have better memory of some of these matches from 85 than I have of what I watched yesterday somehow. So If you go back and look, if you put in the search term Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Uh, it goes back to 1981. Yeah. Wow. And just looking at some of the stills here, I see Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, man. I see, uh, I see Jack Briscoe, Roddy Piper, Ricky Steamboat. Before they were famous, I guess, in a way, right? I guess, man. Joe LaDuke. Ah, yeah, you're one of your favorites there. One of my favorite, Greg Valentine, yeah. <laughs> Cowboy Bob Orton, you know, Randy Orton's father. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, one thing, this is kind of out of left field, but I went back and watched the very first episode of WCW Nitro the other night. Wow. Have you ever, do you, do you remember the first episode? Oh, no, I have no clue. It took place inside the Mall of America. Did it really? <laughs> It, it did. It was it, Hogan was there. Luger made a shocking surprise appearance because he was. Everybody still thought he was with the WWF at the time. Okay, um, I think I do remember that. I didn't remember exactly, you know, where it was or anything. Yeah, it's a good one to go back and watch. I mean, the first match was uh, <laughs> that uh, that guy uh, Jushi Thunder Liger uh-huh. versus. Uh, Brian Pillman, actually. Oh, wow. Bizarre match. Really bizarre. Um, but, it, but it was a solid match. I mean, it was a lot of that high-flying stuff that would, you know, come to define wrestling yeah. a little later. Oh, think, yeah. But, and then, of course, I had to go and watch one of my favorite uh, moments of Nitro when Rey Mysterio Jr. got thrown, <laughs> thrown like a the- dart into the production trailer. The trailer. <laughs> Because the NWO was back there beating on him with ball bats, and that <laughs> there's so many things about that that are bizarre to me. One is that it was at Disney World; they were <laughs> shooting at Disney yeah. World then, and the fact that I mean, Shivani did a great job selling that fight. Uh, why was Rey Mysterio in the production trailer? Why was why did he have his mask on hanging out in the production yeah. trailer? Why did he jump up on the railing thinking he could do anything against Kevin, Kevin Nash? Kevin who Nash, was right? Three times as big as he is, yeah. <laughs> Man, that, <laughs> that was that was so cool. I remember when we watched that thing together, and I mean, it felt very dark and very gritty at the time, you know, because it was all this verite handheld camera back behind the in the parking lot. It was dark, right? All it, and, and you know, I tell you, even more ominously. Chris Benoit is stalking around back and forth like a zombie in the background of just about every scene of this thing. And you know, knowing what we know oh my happened with Benoit yeah. later, he just looks so out of place and so um, he doesn't look good. You know, it's uh, that was such a bizarre one. I would definitely that's definitely one of my highlights. There, go back and watch <laughs> that one if you haven't seen it in a while. That was like July '96. July '96. Yeah, Nitro, July 96. Chris Benoit always looked pissed off, though, to be honest with you. I don't know how you could... He always looked so intense. I mean, he definitely looked like... He looked like a, like a lost child or something yeah. on this one. 
This is also the one where Arn Anderson gets laid out with a ball bat and Flair is back there. All these wrestlers are back there like in their tights standing around in a parking lot when the paramedics roll up. And uh, the the moment I think that stands out in my mind as well is when they took Rey Mysterio's mask off when they were loading him into the ambulance because Shivani had this... They're taking the mask off of Rey Mysterio. This is incredible, you know. Yeah. I mean, he really sold it. It was amazing. Wow. That's definitely one to go back and check out. Speaking of, of world championship wrestling, this would be more in line with the 80s stuff we had been talking about earlier. But uh Yeah. Um some of the, the Jimmy Garvin promo segments. I, <laughs> they were great. <laughs> I hate, you know, when I was little, I, I I couldn't stand Jimmy Garvin. He was such a right, just a smug. I don't know how to describe him. I don't know either. So if you, the way you want, yeah, yeah, yeah. But listening to him now, I just laugh out loud at everything he says because his feud with Wahoo McDaniel. If you go back and listen to <laughs> any of his promos in and around spring and summer of 1986. Right. Oh my gosh. I can't say it's PC, but it's no, funny. No, it's not. It's it's funny. I saw the one where he pulls out a bag of beef jerky and uh and it, <laughs> it was you know, they like spray it down with deodorizer because he says he doesn't like the way it smells or whatever. <laughs> it's valet precious is just constantly precious, spraying this yeah. can of I don't know what it is. I guess Glade or uh, Lysol yeah, or something. something. Just constantly spraying it. In his interviews, she's constantly teasing his hair or something like it's in need <laughs> of con- constant maintenance. It's just ridiculous. But it's, it's brilliant good. stuff, man. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, I, I used to hate him too, but going back and, and watching this stuff, I mean, they, again, there's just nothing that compares – to it today, it seems like. No, I, I don't know. Not at all. Yeah, so I'm trying to think of you. What are some other things you've uh, watched maybe that... I, I started watching the New Jack episode of Dark Side of the Ring, and uh, I didn't quite finish that one. But again, New Jack was a wrestler pretty much introduced in Smoky Mountain Wrestling back in the early 90s. Right. This um sort of... Uh, guy whose whose image was he's supposed to be this this militant gangster like you know African American guy going into these redneck southern towns in the Tennessee <laughs> you know Tennessee Carolinas West Virginia area and it was interesting when he was being interviewed because it was actually you know people in that area were you know you know, constantly using racial slurs and things against him and all. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, the amount of heat that he got for doing that character is, is just crazy, man. I, I mean, I assume that times are different now, but 93, 94, that really wasn't all that long ago. New Jack was heavily featured in that Beyond the Map oh, was documentary. He? Okay. Yeah, he was actually. Uh, just for a, li- a little moment there in the middle, but he's in there. They talk about him a little bit. Um, I think I may have mentioned that documentary on here before, but it's it's actually really good. I think I saw. I think it's on Amazon Prime right now. Yeah, nineteen ninety nine film. 
all this WWE stuff, I actually went through this podcast called Business Wars. And, uh, oh, yeah. It, it, it was actually, they, they were hyping this podcast on uh, Jim Cornette Experience podcast. Yeah. And so I thought I would check it out. And uh, I, I went back through their catalog of episodes, and they had in 2018 a series about the WCW versus WWF uh, battle, and it's pretty solid. I mean, I recommend it. It's um, it goes into all kinds of of stuff that you know you may have forgotten back in those days. And right, of course, we all know how it how it ends. You know, of course, the WWF ends up winning the the war, but uh, but there's some interesting stuff as to how it all came together, though. It's it's it's, it's a good listen. I'd listen to it. It's called uh, Business, Business Wars. Wars. Yeah, business wars. If you can, you know, get past the cheesy voice reenactments they have in there. Oh yeah, like the voice they use for Vince McMahon makes him sound like some kind of weird gangster. <laughs> so. <laughs> but but yeah, that was a good podcast though for sure. Yeah, I wonder. Just going forward, I wonder. You know, Vince McMahon's he's getting up there. He's in his mid to late seventies now. Um. Sure. I wonder in the next twenty years when you know he's he, at some point he's going to have to give up control. You know what's going to happen to WWE? I mean, is it is it even going to look like a wrestling organization, or is it just going to you know I, it's, morph could, into something else? I don't. I think the worst case scenario would be that it, they turn it in, they start cranking out stuff like that graveyard or boneyard match or whatever yeah. that was. Where it looks like you're watching a movie, essentially. A movie, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know, but you know, I tell you what, you know, whether you like the WWE or not, it is impressive to think that in the '80s he he bought the WWF and uh, mm-hmm. has maintained control through some pretty hard times, and and now he yeah. owns it all, essentially. You know, I mean, it's it's just amazing to think that one person did all that and uh, right. and still has control of it. So, uh, it, you know, it's it's interesting. It's fascinating. I think. Yeah, it really is. I saw where Thunder Rosa mentioned. I can't remember if it was on Twitter or where it was, but she mentioned that she had been contacted by the WWE some point in nineteen uh, in two thousand nineteen. Oh wow! Yeah. So I wonder how many of the, these these wrestlers, you know, in these smaller organizations are contacted. I mean, how do you say no to that? You know, I mean, I appreciate her loyalty yeah. to the NWA, but I mean, really, how can you say no to what's basically being a you know because getting made, you know, in the you know in the sense, you know, it's a yeah. I don't I don't know. Um, I mean, because we also saw on Twitter when her car broke down, she was having to sell her personal stuff to pay the right. bills. You know, I mean, that's right. Uh, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I have. You know, I know WWE is sort of like working for a, a big company. I mean, I know there's there's you know you're contracted and you get benefits and all that, and that's unlike most other wrestling organizations. Where I believe, like, if you're for with the NWA, it's sort of like you're an independent contractor. I mean, you're, yeah, you probably get paid, you know, per event or whatever. I don't think there, unless you're like an artist or somebody who's, you know, he seems to have more of a 
ownership in the company yeah. almost in some some regards, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I'm a wrestler like a Thunder Rosa and the WWE contacts me. I don't know how you say no. I mean, unless... I don't know. I don't know because I think she could probably do about anything she wants to do. Um, you know, she um, she's definitely the, the superstar of the N- NWA. I mean, male or female. Um, yeah. I think she's probably has more hype on her than than almost anybody, and uh, I think she would be great over at a. I could see her at NXT or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. You know, starting out so. there. Yeah, uh, I don't know how I don't know how old she is, but I mean, I don't think that's a problem. I mean, she she yeah. moves great, you know. So, um, how if you are someone like Thunder a Thunder Rosa, how do you yeah. turn down the WWE though? I just yeah, I have no idea, and I don't know how much you know when she says she was contacted by them. I don't know what that looks like. I mean, is that that could be an offer to come work, or that could be like, yeah, we want to, you know, you know, take a look at you, and they do, and they don't contact you again. Who knows? I mean, I feel like you know, compare if you look at all the ladies involved in WWE, I, I, I could certainly see her there. Yeah, um, I mean, I think she certainly has the skills for any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. She, I think she's in a unique situation. If that's the case, you know, because a lot of the guys that are in the NWA are former WWE or other promotion guys mm-hmm. that, for whatever reason, didn't work out for them. So, um, man, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I, I tell you, the kind of the greater question is uh, what's going to happen to something like NWA after this coronavirus thing ever blows over? I mean, are we just going to be able to pick up where we left off, you think? I mean, something surely uh, has to change here, right? You know, I know some of these um, some of these guys who are, are sitting at home, you know, because they're not part of a larger organization. So let's think of somebody like a, a, a James Storm. You know, for right. Instance. That's a good person. Yeah. How is he earning a paycheck right now? You know, um, I don't know. I think with an organization like the NWA, um, that seems to have his stuff together, um, possibly he could pull unemployment until he's able to work again. I mean, they just can't do any kind of event right now. No. I mean, you, know, you can't even go out and sign autographs. No. You know, it's. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, I would love to know what these some of these folks are doing. Um, a lot of them, you know, kind of share their lives on Twitter and things like that. But yeah, it, it's kind of hard to, to to see exactly what's going on in some of those. But uh, man, I don't know. It's it's a bad situation though. I can't I can't understand how any of these folks are making it right now. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we're both fortunate enough to still be pulling a paycheck. Yeah. Honestly, I I feel good (laughs) through the summer, but if, I don't know, if things still carry on into the fall, which I can't imagine. I don't know. This is one of the strangest things I think I've ever, uh, it's one of the stranger crises, crises, what's the right word? Crises. (laughs) Crises. It's one of the strangest. uh, 
<laughs> it's, it's definitely one of the one of the stranger things that that I could recall ever happening here in the U.S. And so uh, I can't think of anything to compare it to. Really, I mean, I guess when you, you hear my my grandmother talk about the Great Depression or whatever, yeah. uh, but I don't think I don't think that maybe was as bad as this is, at least, or maybe it was. I, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. I mean, I assume it, it seems like the NWA is still there as a agency posting things so sure but you know i tell you what i haven't seen a lot of postings lately even on social media and even if they do post something it just feels very desperate right now you know yeah uh, there's just nothing it's it's amazing how how much momentum this thing had because i mean if if this coronavirus thing hadn't happened Right now, we'd be making plans because we'd be in Atlanta this time next week. Mm-hmm. You know, we we'd be in Atlanta for a couple of days. You know, having a great old time. Right. And and now it's it's hard to even think about even seeing these guys wrestling. Yeah. Again, honestly, yeah, it really is. And I guess there I guess there's no way for them to do any of these empty studio type shows. I mean, I I don't know, man. I guess they could. I guess they could do that. Yeah, there's something about the empty arena matches that it it they they're just not fun to watch. No, uh, I don't know. They they're just strange. No, they're not. Um, but let's hope that um that this ends soon and some sort of normalcy can return. Um, yeah, for sure. Speaking of quarantine and COVID, I've been seeing um, these things on online about picking like a group or something that you'd like to be if you had to be quarantined with somebody okay so pose the question if you had to be quarantined with let's do two questions if you had to be quarantined with one person from the NWA the current NWA who who would you (laughs) who would you want to be quarantined with uh, I don't know. Maybe Nick Aldis, so we could talk about watches. Yeah, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Nick Aldis. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, Aaron Stevens seems like a fun guy to, to hang out with. Maybe through quarantine. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, it'd be quarantined with Aaron Stevens. With Aaron yeah. Stevens. Um, I like Nick Aldis. Maybe um, Dr- drinking with James Storm. Drinking That'd be with fun. James Storm. Um, you could get together with uh, Tim Storm and talk over your pedagogical methodologies there or something. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. That, I don't know. Tim Storm might be a little too much. You have to bring plenty of chewing gum if you hang out with Tim Storm. <laughs> chewing gum, yes. <laughs> Camille, and you could help her through her daily photo shoot and makeup tutorial or something, you know. I think she's got that handled uh, quite well enough on her own. Yeah. The, the other one that I saw... Um, somebody actually posted this on the NWA group on Facebook, um, which I thought was interesting. I, I just want to know your opinion. If, if okay. you had to recreate the four horsemen with current NWA wrestlers, ah, which four? Well, I mean, isn't that basically strictly well, business? Well, that's what, you know, That's a couple of people said that. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of the way I read it. Yeah. But, you know. I don't know, because I, uh, I, that's all the that's all the heel guys in one place already. So I thought of some guys who could potentially be good heels, you know that that aren't 
Sal Renaro? Sal Renaro. <laughs> no, not Sal Renaro. <laughs> he's, he's definitely not a heel, no. <laughs> I, I, I thought Aldous and Latimer, but also instead of having, uh, what's his name, Royce Isaacs. Yeah. Um, I thought uh, Eli Drake could yeah, potentially be, be a good. Yeah, sure. And uh, I don't know. I think maybe Ricky Starks could be a good. Okay. Good heel, good um, flamboyant type, almost like a Tully Blanchard type. I was that, just about to say that. That, yeah, you yeah. know, r- flaps his mouth a lot and you could really dislike. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, that's. I think you're. I think you're on to something. That would be a good uh, four horsemen there. That's too bad that you have to to leave out old uh, Royce there. But you know, hey, Royce. He's, you know, he's too busy dating. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, May, May Valentine. May Valentine. God, you know, it's like we haven't seen NWA in like two or three I weeks. Know. I'm already forgetting the names of people. Jesus. I was thinking about her real name, which is like Madrius Gomez or something. That's that's her. Twitter right, because I see her on Twitter all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of Four Horsemen of NWA. You'd have to get uh, Santa Vol, the Clemson shirt guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the guys from the This Is the NWA podcast. Yeah, yeah. They're always in the front row. There is it Rotella, uh, Adam Rotella, or somebody like yeah, that his yeah. name. And then and then the screaming kid, the screaming <laughs> yeah. kid. There you go. There, that's your four horsemen you of go. the NWA right there. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, those guys are just always there. You know, they I feel are. like they're part of the crew anyway. You know, which I guess if you're there for eight hours of studio tapings and yeah. You're going to hear them yeah. on every episode or see them. Well, I think they already have some kind of rapport uh, with uh, Nick Aldis because I think he points the, points some of these people out in the crowd. And certainly uh, Cowboy uh, James Storm uses Tennessee Vol's foot as a uh, something oh, to ram yeah. an opponent's That's right. head into That's right. periodically. He's done that a few so, times. <laughs> yeah. So I think those guys know one another by now. So, All right, guys. Thanks for listening to us um, during these Hard times, as the American dream said. Um, hopefully, yeah, we will man. back to normalcy at some point. Gosh, I just uh, you imagine the 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 day that we actually get to actually go to a NWA pay per view um, or Again, studio recording or something. I, I know. Who knows when that's going to be? It's tough to say. Yeah, but anyway, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back soon with another probably random episode until this is over. So, uh, again, exactly. thank you guys for listening to us. We appreciate it. Stay safe. See you. The Back Into the Fire podcast is produced by Joe Till and me, Andy Hayworth. If you enjoyed the show, give us a nice review on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back Into the Fire or email us at backintothefirepod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. You get your balls to the wall.